is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in L.A. Vaccination rates slowly on the rise, but still millions of people in the U.S. without their shots. Many now facing mandates or regular testing. But who's going to pay for all that testing? Speaking of testing, the enormous L.A. school district will regularly test students and staff, but will it prevent outbreaks? Maybe the media is to blame for scaring people about the breakthrough infections, or is the CDC just really bad at communicating? Let's begin with testing the unvaccinated. Sabrina Corlett is founder and co-director of the Center on Health Insurance Reform at Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy. Uh, Sabrina, so insurance uh, will cover the testing if a doctor orders it, but what about your employer? Right. So under the federal rules, you're absolutely right. If um, your doctor says you've been exposed to the virus or you have symptoms of the virus, you can get the test for free. The insurance company not only has to cover it, but has to waive any sort of deductible or other copayment. But if it's routine workplace testing, then the um, neither the employer nor the health plan is required to cover the cost. And if I'm an employer and I'm going to do this, I can be really nice about it, right? And say, I will cover it for you, but I don't have to be. And then it's on me for what? How much do they cost? 50, 100, 150 bucks sometimes, depending? Uh, they, or more yeah, than that? Yeah, they can be $100 or more. Um, these, Yeah, these tests can add up. And if you're required to take it once or twice a week, um, as you can imagine, uh, <laughs> those, those bills can really start to climb. So is there anything uh, under law that, employees who might be told by their employers you know you gotta you gotta get tested every week uh, unless you get of course vaccinated other than getting vaccinated do they have any recourse well the good news for californians uh is that the cal state of california has expanded um the universe of people who uh should be entitled to more testing coverage. Um, The problem is not everybody works for an employer with a health plan that is covered under California law. So the first step would be to find out if you work for an employer where your plan is regulated by the state or by the federal government. Um, And then if it's regulated by the state, there's a chance that um, your insurance company will have to cover your costs because California requires more robust coverage. And I'm guessing not everywhere benefits still from a lot of the the city and state sites that, you know, a lot have gone away. The mass sites for testing, they turned into vaccination sites, and even some of those have gone away. But not everywhere has what we still have, some of that infrastructure where it's really easy still to go and try and find one. Uh, People are going to go to their doctors or, or their pharmacies or whatever and to do this on their own in many cases, and then that's when you can get hit with that bill. That's right. That's right. Um, a lot of the big publicly financed testing sites are, are starting to wind down. That said, um, you've got uh, other types of providers like Amazon and others where you may be able to order these tests and have them delivered to your home. But again, you, you, you'd most likely be, be paying the full cost of that yourself. All right, Sabrina Corlett, founder, co-director of the Center on Health Insurance Reform, Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy. The country's second largest school district now starting testing on all students and staff, regardless of their vaccination status. 
The L.A. school district hopes to prevent COVID outbreaks. Testing is going to be every week once school starts, but is it all really necessary? Dr. Stephen Chen, Associate Dean for Clinical Affairs and uh, Chair in the Community Pharmacy at the USC School of Pharmacy. So, Doctor, it sounds like a, a logistical nightmare. Uh, is it necessary? I think it's a great idea. We're learning something new about Delta every day. As you know, what we knew two weeks ago was very different from what we know today. We know that the viral loads that are carried by both vaccinated and unvaccinated people are about the same and are about a thousand times higher than what we saw with the alpha. So the point is that whether you're vaccinated or not, you could be carrying this virus around and there's that potential to spread the infection to all these unvaccinated kids that we have out there. So, yes, I think it's actually very important. And that would be what led to the change, because originally this was only going to be the testing for those who were unvaccinated, but now it's expanding to everybody and they are citing, you know, the new variant. Exactly. Now, we don't know for sure that the vaccinated folks that are carrying the uh, the viruses can actually actively uh, infect other people. But the point is that they are carrying these high loads. So better be safe than sorry. I think it's a very smart move. Uh, there is a little concern here, though, because if you remember, it took an average of about five to eight days for um, exposure until a positive test could be conferred from the alpha variant. With this delta variant, it's a lot shorter. It takes anywhere from three to five days from exposure to positive testing. So I, I bring that up because uh, weekly testing may have worked really nicely for that alpha, but weekly may not be enough for the Delta variant. So we don't know that yet. Uh, certainly a good start. And as you said, logistical nightmare just to get weekly testing done. Uh, but if kids are, are uh, testing positive every few days, um, potentially, we may need to up that frequency. Well, but that raises uh, an even thornier question, doesn't it? Uh, because a lot of parents who have to work, what happens when their child, who may or may not be symptomatic, uh, gets tested positive, but, you know, the parents maybe are back to work now. Uh, what do you do with the kid and what do you do with the parents? Yeah, good, good question. We do not have the kind of public health system that supports families in that effort. Uh, it's, this is something that employers are going to have to work with their, um, their employees to make sure they can accommodate these things when they happen. They are going to happen. We know that for sure until our kids can get vaccinated themselves. Uh, we are going to have these challenges. So you're right, it's thorny, but uh, we're going to need some flexibility in the workplace to accommodate this. Does any of the concern or the fear get mitigated by the idea that the young kids, you know, in that under 12 category are still not as likely to get something severe here? Yeah, it, it's something to think about. Uh, but but you, I think you reported this uh, last week, I believe, on your, on your, on your uh, radio show, that in the southern states, you're seeing skyrocketing numbers of kids getting hospitalized from covid they were just had a few in their hospital at any given time. Now they're up to 10, 20, you know, 20 plus kids in the hospital, some in ICU. So the, the point is that, yes, for the most part, kids weather the virus much better. Uh, but this Delta variant is a little different. It's, it's more infectious. It's more uh, harmful. Uh, there are things we don't know about it yet. So, so I think we can take some comfort in knowing that kids are resilient, but uh, we don't know enough about this virus to be conclusive. So since, uh, as you know, vaccines are not yet authorized for 12 and under, right, and might not be until well into the fall, maybe even early uh, winter, then you add into that how long it takes to vaccinate uh, kids, let alone how long it's been taking to vaccinate adults. <laughs> yes. um, can we be talking, and let's be realistic and blunt about this, can we be talking about having to wear, having kids having to wear masks and getting tested for COVID for what, maybe a couple of years? Uh, you know, I, I think once uh, the kids uh, get vaccinated and if we get a decent enough uptake, 
uh, and, and a mandate, right? A mandate that kids have to get vaccinated. I, I think we'd, we're not talking in a couple of years. Um, but this brings another point, I think, that you're kind of alluding to as well. Um, the most important thing we can do to protect our kids is for the communities that surround our kids to get the vaccine. I'm talking parents. I'm talking to anybody that's uh, in contact with, with these kids. Anyone who hasn't been vaccinated yet that's eligible, best thing we can do to help others is to get vaccinated. And it's a bit alarming at um, how low we are in our vaccination rates, given that this is free and widely available at this point. Curious if you think some of the turnaround in some circles on the vaccines and the messaging about getting them was maybe part of a realization that, oh, well, what if we keep the current rates and then we can't reopen the schools? Oh, no. Uh, Can you rephrase that? I didn't quite get the question. (laughs) We saw some people who were pretty anti-vaccine change the messaging recently and now they're they're a little bit more on board i'm wondering if you think that some of that changed because they realize that if we can't get these rates higher the schools are going to be shut and nobody wants that yeah yeah i i think that's true and i i think you've seen this as well in some other countries they've set it up so that the only way you can go shopping you go to restaurants you go to the movies is if you show proof of vaccination so the point is that if that becomes the gateway to be able to do the things you want to do then yes people will get vaccinated so i i think you're right Dr. Stephen Chen, Associate Dean, Clinical Affairs, Chair in Community Pharmacy at the USC School of Pharmacy. Coming up after a short break, who is to blame for scaring people about breakthrough cases? The media, the CDC, maybe both. Lots of mixed and confusing messages have come out of this pandemic. The latest is over the data the CDC used to recommend indoor mask wearing. It had to do with breakthrough cases in a town in Massachusetts. White House got angry with some outlets over the headlines about the breakthrough cases, said they were misleading, they were overblown. But uh, was the CDC really clear in explaining everything? Brian Stelter is host of Reliable Sources, also senior media correspondent for CNN. So, Brian, we see these headlines, they look scary because they say X amount of vaccinated people, they got COVID. Uh, Although we could flip it around, right, and say 99.9% of vaccinated people, they've not had a breakthrough case that made them wind up in the hospital? Yes. Uh, in fact, it's even even more rare than that. You start to get into these minute, tiny, minuscule numbers for Americans who are vaccinated who have still fallen prey to COVID and had a really bad outcome. Uh, the reality is we need two different newscasts for two different Americas now because the story is so different whether you're vaccinated or not. If you are vaccinated, there is so little for you to worry about. Yes, uh, you know, my kids cannot yet get the shots and that's frustrating. And, and yes, I don't want to get the, get the cold or the flu for a couple of days, just like I don't want to get COVID. But we really have so little to worry about. But the unvaccinated are at great risk. And so we actually need two different kinds of messaging, two different kinds of newscasts. And I think what's happening oftentimes is people who are vaccinated are getting really worried about data that really only affects the unvaccinated. You know what I mean? Well, and but I wonder, and I, and I get your point uh, about maybe we need two different kinds of, of newscasts, but but what it comes down to, Brian, isn't it really that that the people who are putting together these newscasts, wherever the, the, the company happens to be, whatever the company happens to be, just have to be better, you know, sort of smarter about how they report it. And the CDC and the government, in, its, in, in their turn, have to be a little bit, clearer in what they're saying and you would think by now they would be 
yeah, I think at first this is a government problem. The CDC is not providing the right data in the right way and is not effectively messaging what's going on. But then on top of that, sloppy news coverage, misleading headlines, confusing stories uh, exacerbate the problem. And that is a challenge for the media to make sure we're, we're getting this story in proportion. We are all going to have to learn to live with COVID. And that can be uncomfortable. It can be frustrating. It can be disappointing. But this disease is not going to go away overnight. There's not going to be zero COVID. The goal now is to minimize it, to minimize risk, for us all to learn how to, to, to take common sense precautions. Number one, get vaccinated. But I think the vast majority of your listeners already are. The hard people to reach now are the people that are not tuning in, who are not interested in the science or in the medicine. And that's going to be a challenge, I think, you know, for the country going forward. Uh, but most people at this point have gotten the message. And now we need the government to give us the right data to, to reassure us that, uh, that we're in a different phase now. I guess the bottom line is this. Uh, elderly people are in a much uh, safer place than we were a year ago. All of us are in a much safer place than we were a year ago. Cases are going to crop up. We need to pay attention. But we also need to know it's different now than it was pre-vaccine. How then do you reach the people who aren't paying attention? Because you've also got the bias of living this every day. And yeah. the listeners to this station yeah. listen every day. So then they know. But if you're not paying attention, you've ignored, you, just, you know, okay, yeah, pandemic's still going on. People wear some masks. <laughs> There's a new variant. Whatever. I don't consume the news like everybody else, or at least the people who consume the news. So do you, do you reach them? I mean, the government's trying to craft this message about Delta being right. worse or being more contagious. And they tried the chickenpox thing. But I don't know if everybody has a level of knowing how contagious chicken pox is right so what do you do with some that? people don't know what chicken pox is right. <laughs> so you know it's going to be about face-to-face real-world interactions now with folks who are resistant or hesitant or unwilling uh face-to-face maybe from a distance but face-to-face because i think most of us in our lives the lives of the vaccinated people who are increasingly fed up by all of this uh i think most of us still know somebody who's on the fans or not there yet not willing yet uh, I, I certainly, there's actually one person I know in my life who's in that category. And so face-to-face, honest communication, honest persuasion is hopefully what's going to get us to a better a better place nationwide. But Brian, when it, to go back to the messaging and, and media, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I do wonder if, if we all get the messaging perhaps wrong because, you know, it's the old thing that, that you know, fire and, you know, what they used to say, blood and gut sell, right? If it bleeds, uh, it leads. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the more horrible the story, the more attention it tends to get. Because, you know, you did a, a, a rap the other night on, on CNN, and I'll tell you right now on, on the air, it was one of the better, I thought, uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but I thought it was. It was one of the better uh, summations about where we really are now in the country. And I thought after watching it, well, I thought afterwards, if he could do it, it, you know, and don't take this the wrong way, it's not that hard. I mean, you can actually (laughs) report it correctly. So why don't we? I agree with you that there is, um, uh, in the same way that sex sells, fear sells. uh, And and, and that is a a, a never-ending challenge for the media. We need bosses, leaders, newsroom uh, executives to lead the way and push back against fear-mongering and sensationalism. And we also need our listeners and our viewers to recognize it when it happens uh, and to adjust accordingly. Um, it's, a, it's a challenge for everybody, I think, all in this together, so to speak. Uh, but, but I agree with you that the, you know, it's, dog bites man, obviously, is always more newsworthy. Breakthrough cases seem newsworthy. But what we all need, both the media and members of the public, is to keep it in perspective. 
uh, what I recommend is getting on the CDC website, looking at the graphics, looking at the charts. I look at hospitalization data for New York every day. I look at the same in LA and other major cities, other major states. I want to know where are these real hotspots? How bad is it really? If you look at Louisiana, hospitalizations are scary there. Look at states like Vermont, where almost everyone's vaccinated. Hospitalizations are very, very low. Almost nobody is hospitalized with COVID. That's the data that I think we all need to emphasize in the media. Brian Stelter hosts Reliable Sources on CNN Sunday, senior media correspondent for CNN. Brian, thanks. The most high-profile breakthrough infection so far is a U.S. senator, South Carolina Republican Lindsey Graham, says he's tested positive, even though he got vaccinated. He says he has flu-like symptoms and will be self-quarantining, uh, self-quarantining for 10 days. Graham says he feels like he has a sinus infection and his symptoms are mild. He says he's glad he got vaccinated. Otherwise, he is certain he would not feel as well as he does now. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Stitcher.